0: From the stock market floor to your laptop. We are Voice America
1: Business. Welcome to Leadership Development News Profiles and Practices of Top Performers. Leaders are the heartbeat of any organization. Let Drs. Kathy Greenberg and Riley Nadler show you what it takes to become a top 10% performer in your organization. Now, here are your hosts, Dr. Greenberg and Dr. Nadler.
2: Welcome to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers. I'm Dr. Rowan Adler. We have Dr. Kathy Greenberg as my co-host on the line. We'll bring Kathy on in just a moment. But between Kathy and I, we have helped thousands of leaders to perform in the top 10%. And today's show features Dr. Don Kennedy. He is the author of 5 a.m., and I'm Already Behind. So we'll ask him about that title and that book. I'm sure many of us feel that way. You wake up that early and go, oh how am I going to get through this day? Well, Dr. Don Kennedy is a board-certified family physician. He's an author, a professor, a lecturer, and a certified coach. And he's recognized uh, around the world as an expert on longevity, smoking sensation, and then we're going to hear more about this Smoking Babbitt program that's helped hundreds beat the nicotine uh, addiction, but also just about habits in general. So we'll get him to uh, generalize this around any any of the habits you may have. Could be procrastination, could be uh, clutter, could be a variety of things that we all deal with. Um, Dr. Kennedy is a diplomat of the American College of Family Medicine, holds an uh, MBA from Stetson University, and he's been a staff writer for Life Now Magazine. Has spoken for companies such as Merck, Young Life, Rotary International, Pfizer, and he has a radio show. You are the doctor. And it was the first interactive program of its kind. And his book, 5 a.m. and Already Behind, was written to teach the need to change now, not later. It's a story about Mike, and it uses a workbook format to teach us about Babbitt, the Babbitt system. We'll have him explain that. And Dr. Kennedy has used to create immediate change and improve the health and stories of thousands of patients. So, Kathy, welcome to the call.
3: Hi. It's so great (laughs) to be here, and I'm delighted to meet our guest today, Dr. Don Kennedy, because I have lots of bad habits, and I'd like
2: to change (laughs) all of
3: them at one time, (laughs) although I know that's not possible. But like many leaders in many organizations, I also know uh, that I am the heartbeat of my family, and um, when I'm at work, the heartbeat of an organization. And that's where we come in on why we do this show and what we like to teach all leaders about themselves so they can get better, be better, and help their organizations get better. We know that leaders are truly the heartbeat of their organization, and most leaders really do underestimate just how much influence they have on others, and, well, as a result, they can underperform. But as we're going to learn today, just doing a few things differently, we're going to change and improve our performance in our organization. You know, as we always like to do in every one of our shows, Rally and I like to bring you our listeners something that helps you and your organiza- well your organization and your industry actually develop and grow more leaders and we like to talk about well things like what happy companies know about performance and rally's sweet spot, emotional intelligence and positive psychology strategies. we like to share everything we know about brain and neuroscience contributions, generation and gender differences, and anything that's going to make your life better, which we consider work-life balance practices. And I guess we're going to hear a lot more about that today from Dr. Don Kennedy. We're also going to help you learn in each program strategies for managing yourself and your boss and having the best work life and home life that you can possibly have. So, um, you know what, Riley, maybe you can help our listeners Understand some of the statistics and the real facts that we base our work on as executive
2: coaches. Sure, Kathy. We'd be glad to. And we always like to bring you some of the evidence behind some of the things we talk about. And so, why do we talk about leaders so much? Well, leaders have anywhere from 50 to 70% influence over the climate of their team. They are the emotional thermostat for their team. And as we're going to talk about today, if they have some bad habits, you know, maybe a lack of. Anger control, that's going to be contagious to their people. And we know that being a star, as we define it, someone in the top 10%, and one of the key factors is this idea of emotional intelligence when compared to IQ or techno expertise. This idea of emotional intelligence is one of the key factors that allows someone to be in the top 10%. And why the top 10%? Well, we know from research that if you can get someone into the top 10%, they're twice as valuable, and they produce twice as much revenue to the organization as managers in the 11th to the 89th percentile. And training goes on in most organizations, and if you train alone, it's about a 22% increase. But if you can bring in coaching, and myself, Kathy, and Dr. Don Kennedy are all certified coaches, you bring coaching into your organization, you can increase productivity 88% compared to the 22%. And typically in a day, you can get this organized and and produce some coaching networks. And Kathy's sweet spot, happiness, has been shown uh, to be tied to profit by more than 93%. So if you break some of these bad habits, people can be happier. And if you're interested in more information from Dr. Kathy Greenberg, her website is www.h2cleadership for her happiness books, tools, speaking keynotes, leadership, and coaching services. If you're interested in, in me, Dr. Raleigh Nadler, my website is www.true-north-leadership for some free emotional intelligence assessments and then also books, tools, speaking keynotes, leadership, and coaching boot camps. So let me uh, add a few more things about uh, Dr. Don Kennedy. Don, welcome to the call. Hi, how are you? We're, we're doing great. <laughs> so let me just say a few things and then we'll, we're going to zero in on, on you. Um, I mentioned... Your book, 5 a.m., and, and already behind, and your radio show, you're a member of the National Speakers Association, and you recently partnered with Mark Victor Hansen, who we know from the author of Chicken Soup, uh, or co-author, to eradicate nicotine addiction by taking smoking Babbitt programs to groups worldwide. And then also you were raised as the son of a professional bull rider, And uh, Dr. Kennedy's story is a remarkable testimony to the willpower of personal change. He is happily married and a father of four and two grandchildren as an avid surfer. And I met uh, Don at a uh, speaker's boot camp, and was was very uh, excited about what he's doing and and what he speaks about and what he promotes in his vision, and and I'm so glad that you're willing to join us on the call. Thank you so much, really.
3: Well, it's a pleasure to have you here, and I can tell you're going to be a very energetic and enthusiastic <laughs> guest, so I will try to talk fast so we give you more airtime, but we're really excited um, to know more about what you have to share given kind of where you're going in, in the current life that you have, but I know that you got here by having some truly influential people in your life and thinkers that have influenced you, so you, can you share a little bit about who shaped you in this, in this wonderful world?
4: Well, it's it, you're right. And I think when we we all in in for the listeners, we all go back to those roots where you know, especially those roots that created our thoughts and habits and, and for those for emotional intelligence, all those emotions that that drive what we do. So, if you uh, you go back to at least my early life, my father was a professional bull rider, but um <laughs> he was a simple man. And uh and I think that uh, that it was it was his strength and just simplicity. It was the things we either, and, and a lot of folks out there will understand, hot or cold, black or white, that was the way it was. Mm-hmm. It was right or wrong. And his life was uh, was simple. He did one or two things. He did them well, and he was happy uh, without overeating, without smoking. I'm sure that uh, during his early bull rider days, I can't say about any, <laughs> any alcohol, but if I look back, I see that uh, that my father was uh, a very simple man and led a simple life, and uh, and wasn't driven by especially those old days, in the uh, in the bull as a bull rider, they made no money. Uh-huh. They were driven by the love of the show, and uh, and the story goes how many of these guys, uh, <laughs> and you have to laugh because of what they did, they would use multiple names uh, to ride the bulls uh, because there weren't enough bull riders. Uh huh. So, what they do is they put turn them in three or four times, so they get three or four
2: rides, and they come in as different identities, okay? yeah,
4: it was the same guy, but you know they all knew what they were doing, but it was a show, yeah, yeah, for very little money. So when you go back to, the, uh, to that, that influence, it was kind of if you look at the simplicity, you look back and say, "Gosh, you know, it was a little crazy, he didn't make much money, but boy, he had a great time."
2: So, so how did you go from at least some of those roots and then to uh, go to school as a medical doctor? How did you get interested in that, and then what led you to... Well,
4: well, I grew up in a, you know, after my mother and father divorced, and I'll give you a little history there. Uh, uh, I was only six years old, and I spent summers with my father in California. But most of my life I was raised by my mother, who was a waitress, and we moved some 80 times up until the time I was uh, 16 years old. So we were pretty much on the road uh, just Living with my brother and sister and and making it day by day. I had a million jobs, and I know a lot of the listeners can can relate to those survival techniques. And I'm sure that shaped um, the way I got to medical school, which was just by sheer persistence. Uh, in those early days, uh, you know that's that's what you did. If you if you had no money and you had not and you didn't have anybody giving it to you, you either you either swam or you didn't. Mm-hmm. i took up surfing i surfed my whole life and i and as a matter of fact one of my new books coming out probably next year will be about the lessons of surfing because that was that was a lot of strength and survival and i thought that was kind of fun because i can relate that to people's lives but you ask me the influential people i think uh later in life it's been more uh recently and i know a lot of folks know michael gerber he's a friend of mine and he is uh At 72 years old, still building companies, and uh, he said something to me, and I want to relate that, and I knew we were going to be talking about that today, and I thought it would be fun to relate what he said to me when I was 54 years old, Mm. and he said to me, he said, Don, this is what I want you to do. I want you to find out what's impossible, and then go do it. Mm. Okay, and uh, now I'm not a kid. And I'd already been through medical school, which they told me I couldn't do. And so I go, if you you ask me that question, okay, influential people and thinkers, hey, they are the people in our early lives and people in our later lives. A lot of people, though, never find an influential anything later in their life because their life gets so cluttered and so busy that they get stuck in in what I love, in the same old habits, and then all of a sudden the time's gone. Mm
2: Mm-hmm. Well, so that, that's so powerful. And so for you, and especially we asked a question about early inspirations, and I'm so glad you brought that in about <clears throat> later inspirations because I think we have a lot of folks who are the boomers and, and other ages, but they're thinking about, okay, where's my inspiration? So, And here you are from Michael Gerber saying, go find the impossible and go do it. That's right. That's great.
3: Well, you know, I can resonate with what you were talking about earlier about the love of the show because my parents were both in show business, and so I came from a a background where you learned to do what you did because you had a passion behind it, but along with that came, and I'll just say this out loud, a lot of bad habits that you kind of took with you because... You were eating at irregular times uh you could be drinking till hours of the night. both of my parents were drinkers and smokers, and they died at a very young age as a result, both to lung cancer and to um stroke and cardiac arrest so you know these things that we call passions in life can catch up with mm-hmm.
4: us well that's <laughs> and and uh, you know what's what's interesting is is i've uh i've mask. You know, I, I, I practice geriatric medicine. I've I, I see been doing that for 27 years. Hmm. And what's interesting is, is I ask that. I've done surveys of my patients over the years about uh, simple questions. I always like to ask simple questions. I actually put a, uh, a page in the, in the room once a month and ask a simple question. And one hey, of them hey, uh, Don, was, what has been your passion in life?
3: And Don, I'm going to ask you before you go any further... We're going to keep our listeners absolutely on the edge of their seats. We're going to go to a break. We're going to come right back, so don't go away. This is Leadership Development News. The
0: bottom line in business, Voice America Business.
6: Dr. Greenberg, co-author of What Happy Companies Know and What Happy Women Know, is the leading global expert on coaching combined with the new science of happiness and originator of the happiness equals profits business formula. Kathy's company, H2C, Happy Companies, Healthy People, provides practical training for individuals and entire companies to maximize their potential in as little as one day. Kathy herself is available for one-to-one executive coaching, group training, and as an electrifying conference speaker. Catch her at the Governor's Conference for Women Nationally and as spokesperson for Cancer Treatment Centers of America throughout 2009 for distinctive learning, practical solutions, and proven results. To learn more about adding Kathy and Happy Company's Healthy People to your team, visit Kathy at h2cleadership.com. That's h2cleadership.com.
5: Homeowners, real estate investors, bankers. Listen up and tune in to Finance, Foreclosures, and Foresight, the show that breaks it all down and gives it to you straight. Are you at risk of foreclosure? Interested in buying a foreclosed property? Mark Bull has the answers to the questions you might forget to ask. Finance, Foreclosures, and Foresight broadcast live on the Voice America Business Channel, Monday afternoons at 1 p.m. Pacific. You can't afford not to tune in.
0: The Internet's only all-business and financial radio network, Voice America Business.
1: listening to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers with your hosts, Doctors Kathy Greenberg and Rilly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions that you're just dying to ask, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show.
2: Welcome back to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers. We're talking to a top performer now, Dr. Don Kennedy. Author of Five AM, and I'm already behind. And right before the breakdown, we were talking about people's passion, and you were talking about how you've been uh, working in geriatric medicine for quite a while. So, why don't you follow up with that? Just a about people's passions and what happens.
4: Well, it's. Uh, I think in today's world, the business world, the leadership world, uh, people, uh, the world, pa- the word passion has been kind of uh, bruised a little. Uh, chase your passion. Uh, find your passion. Uh, create a business with a passion. Create a leadership team with passion. Ever hear that, Raleigh?
2: Oh yeah. Oh
4: okay. yeah. So so the, it's almost as if we're we're forced into the world of our passion or somebody's passion. And and I've I've taken surveys of patients, uh, uh, you know, later in their life, 60s, 70s, 80s, people who have done that, and I've asked them, okay what 's been your passion what 's your passion? and you know they can't answer it because passion is is isn't something uh, that you can just invent. you can look for it it's not one uh, one year it might be one thing, one year it might be the next but uh, i'm not so sure that in our in our uh, busy worlds, our technological worlds our uh, the the world we now, which is global that that um, People take enough time to even see what it is um, hmm. that they're that they 're supposed to be doing that really, as you do you know it turns them on and makes them get up in the morning because most people, if you ask them they can 't tell you why they get up. they tell you that they get up mm-hmm.
2: they have to get up, but there 's not something that 's driving them <clears throat> you know it just reminds me of just and I know you 're going to get into this just our fast paced world. Of just having that time, and, and it was—I think you know—my younger years when I was traveling, really spending about a half hour uh, in a foreign city, saying, you know, so what do I what do I want to do today? And having the luxury <laughs> to have that half hour to say, well, what do I want to do? To most people, don't have that that time or the you know, the reflection to say, well, you know, where, what's my passion? What do I want to do?
4: Well, absolutely, but. Those folks who are listening now know who they are, mm-hmm. and there are most of them. And uh, a point I want to make is it doesn't go away. I mean, if, if you're busy and you're so behind and you're cluttered and you're not getting there and you're waking up in the morning thinking about last week's work, trying to get caught up on today, which will never happen, uh, they need to know that generally later on, it's not going away. Your life's going to be the same toward this retirement, after retirement. Uh, it just is part of our lifestyle. And people wait so long to make those changes, and all of a sudden, uh, they're blowing out the, the, the candles on, uh, you know, 80 candles on a birthday cake and saying, wow, that went fast.
2: Yeah.
3: And, well, let, let me ask you a question that uh, I guess I've been thinking about since we started talking, and that is, you know, you have been. Um, you said you have a, a list or something that you that you use that you can Questions, help yeah. people with. Um, how did you create this list, and when did you start using it, and how did you find out that it had value?
4: Well, it's not so much a list; it's a system. Okay. Um, it's a system to focus people, and when I started this, what I call my Babbitt system, or and I'll talk to more about that in a minute. It had to do with the fact that no matter where people were and what age they were, I found that uh, um, most were unhappy with what they were doing. Uh, Most were bored with wherever they'd been. Uh, Most couldn't see tomorrow because they were so cluttered today. And mostly, they waited too long to do what they felt they were created to do in their life. And then it was over. And uh, so many times in, in geriatrics, uh, I, I see this, it's not just once, it's, um. it's everybody. And, it's not, and rarely is it the individual that will say to me, I did it, I did it my way, and I loved every minute of it. And so I became interested in their habits and what they do, mostly uh, from an end result, and, and, and tried to say, how is it? That I can get them to see this early enough in their life that they won't make the same mistakes that everybody else is making. How can I focus them to make one change, one change, one habit, at least one? Uh, And and it it became, uh, you talk about passions. it became an effort. Because I knew that a lot of the habits, of course, were health habits, but it all entwines. It's business habits, it's health habits, it's leadership habits, it's all of that that becomes uh, just a blur. And and then they never change them, although they're trying to by adding more stuff. And, you know, you can't add more stuff when you're already full.
2: Right. 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 So, So this really, as we get into this, really came from... Seeing a few of the people like you're saying who really did do what they wanted, they felt great about it, and then trying to backtrack and say okay what, what are they doing differently how do you and then how can you help teach that to folks early on
4: Well, and seeing whether or not people uh, it, it was a trial to see if i could if I could get someone to make a small enough change in their life
2: uh-huh.
4: uh, immediately, not later right. Uh, to see what what that result would be. And I've been doing that for years. And those that got it made a substantial change. I mean, I, I'll tell you one little story. Do I have time for
2: yeah, that? Yeah, sure, sure. Okay. I want to hear it.
4: Now I'm going to go to the younger part. I had a young lady. She was 28 years old with uh, uh, three, uh, two small children at home, and she came in because she was ill. But she wasn't ill. She thought she was ill. She came of a, from a long uh, line of of parents and sisters and brothers who thought they were ill. You know, she wasn't ill. I couldn't find anything wrong with her. And I asked her, now you'll relate to this. There's folks out there who do this. I said, what do you do all day? She says, well, she says, I've spent a lot of time on the Internet trying to find out what's wrong with me.
2: <laughs>
4: and nice. I said, well, there's nothing wrong with you, except that you think there's something wrong with you. I said, I, now And I do this a lot. I do it in, in my coaching and my others. I said, all right, I'm going to make a deal with you. And that's dangerous if you're with me because I'm gonna, I'm gonna, they know something's coming. And I said, all right, tomorrow here's what I want you to do. And she said, what? Now, where we are in Florida, there's a lot of bridges. I didn't tell her to jump off. I said, listen, tomorrow morning, I want you to get up, and I want you to go down to, there's a a bridge everybody walks. It's a three-mile walk. I said, I want you to get up tomorrow morning. uh, Before the kids get up, have your husband watch the kids. I want you to walk that bridge and then go back home. And she says, okay, I'll do that. Well, I waited about, uh, I waited two months, and I saw her again. And here's what happened. She got up that morning and she walked the bridge and went back home. Never had done it in her life.
2: Hmm.
4: Never had done something like that in her life, except you know, she just didn't have an exercise program. And I said to her, I said, Okay, what happened? She says, Well this is what happened. She says, My husband was so surprised that I walked the bridge. When I got home two days later from she had a a part time job (laughs) he bought her a bike. And she says he said, You can't walk the bridge every day but you can ride the bike. Well, what happened from there is the kids saw her riding the bike, so now every afternoon the family goes for a bike ride. Great. Y- y- you understand the significance yeah. of this, yeah. uh, and I know you do. It was a simple little dare. Yeah. One small change one morning, and that's all I wanted it to do, because I knew she wouldn't do, I wasn't sure she'd do that, honestly. But I wanted to, and this is how I built this practice and the changes with the folks, of daring them to do one thing that's so small that they can learn that they can do something bigger. And so her life has changed. I've seen her. She doesn't focus on the Internet. She doesn't focus on us anymore. She's not perfect. But her life changed from a simple
2: walk over the bridge. So, to talk a little bit about because we, Kathy and I, always talk about these micro initiatives, what we call them, you know, to have a macro impact. This is huge. What do you, what's what, what's the dynamic? What goes on? Well, you know, why this small change that can lead to bigger change? What do you think is going on? That, you know, in their brain or anything that you know from your your findings? I, I think uh, well, I think it's honestly just the ability to refocus.
4: Mm-hmm. Um, we have uh, we are so bombarded. Uh, from everything now you look back to the day I talked about my father. His life wasn 't bombarded with internet, with email with uh, cell phones with with uh, with anything
2: right. his
4: day was a focus of what he had to do, and we don 't do that anymore. Mm-hmm. Trying to bring back somebody to a very simple focus is very, very difficult, and getting them to take get this an actual action mm-hmm. in a focused environment is even is almost impossible. Right. Yeah. And so you have to make it so little, so small, that they'll actually be able to take the action one time. And then they say, well, I took a risk. I did something I've never done. I wonder what else I can do. Mm-hmm. And at least it begins that motion, that that uh, emotional part that says, Wow. Uh, I'm not looking at the Internet anymore. I'm, uh, You know what? I'll take a – let me tell you, just getting people to take a five-minute walk is an effort sometimes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
3: It's not only getting them to take the action, but it's also getting them – and I think, uh, Don, you probably haven't talked about this, but I bet you do it. You find something you know they can do, you know that they're going to find a strength in it that they can use as a core to build on and to grow and flourish. And I think that's the magic um, that you help them discover in themselves. Is that fairly accurate?
4: Well, and it's, it's no it's something that I know they can physically do, but it may be something that they've never done. Right. Because if it's something they've done, then it's usual. It's the discovery and the, and the little danger in Over walking the bridge at six o'clock in the morning, you know, something so silly that breaks up and makes them step back and say, "Well, wow, you know, my life is so cluttered, but I found time to do something different." And it makes them, and I've got other stories. Mm -hmm. It makes them say, "Okay,
2: uh, uh, what's this all about?" You know, it takes them away for just a minute. Mm -hmm. But I think the other part that you said, Don, was you dared them. And it was maybe just that. And, you know, I just saw this article today in the, in the L.A. Times about uh, outsmarting our habits, and they talked about a uh, 2007 paper published in the Journal of Emotion, found that we can resist temptation more successfully if we consi- consider it a test of will. And so just that aspect of you daring them, you know, kind of willing them, can you do this, probably just was enough of the push to get them to do something they wouldn't normally do.
4: Or would you think that that's a kind of an emotional preparation?
2: Yes, yeah. You you prime them, but I think it was that there, and they said, "Well, can I do this?" And so, just seeing it as a test of someone's willpower, right. I think, gives them a little bit of an edge.
3: You know, I'm going to ask if we can pause on this wonderful dialogue for just a minute to hear from our sponsors, and then we'll come right back. This is Leadership Development News. So don't go away
0: the bottom line in business Voice America
5: Business
6: Dr. Greenberg, co-author of What Happy Companies Know and What Happy Women Know, is the leading global expert on coaching combined with the new science of happiness and originator of the happiness equals profits business formula. Kathy's company, H2C, Happy Companies, Healthy People, provides practical training for individuals and entire companies to maximize their potential in as little as one day. Kathy herself is available for one-to-one executive coaching, group training, and as an electrifying conference speaker, catch her at the Governor's Conference for Women Nationally, and as spokesperson for Cancer Treatment Centers of America throughout 2009 for distinctive learning, practical solutions, and proven results. To learn more about adding Kathy and Happy Company's Healthy People to your team, visit Kathy at h2cleadership.com. That's h2cleadership.com. Adding fractions is nothing. For real? Look, these are denominators. You multiply this one so that it's the same as that, then you add them up. Man, that's easy. Charles Bennett dreamed of returning to the old neighborhood as a teacher. But without money for college, only half of his dream came true. He's back in the old neighborhood. Well, enough math. I got to deliver these sandwiches. Please support the United Negro College Fund. A mind is a terrible thing to waste. A message from the UNCF and the Ad Council. The
0: Internet's only all-business and financial radio network, Voice America Business.
1: You're listening to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers with your hosts, Doctors Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions that you're just dying to ask, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now,
2: let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers. We're talking with Dr. Don Kennedy. Who wrote "5 uh, A.M. and I'm um, Already Behind"? So let's, uh, Don, let's zero in on on that, especially that title, and then uh, we've mentioned Babbitt, if, and you can kind of tell us about your your book, and then what's what's your the Babbitt system? That'd be terrific. Uh, the uh,
4: The question is is about the book. The book is called "5 A.M. and Already Behind." I'm going to tell you a very quick story about why I wrote this book. Okay. Understand that that my day is taking care of people who have waited too long to do things,
2: Mm -hmm.
4: whether it's health, whether it's business. Look, in a family practice office, a medical office, a geriatric office, whatever it is, when we're taking care of people, it's not medicine. It's everything. Mm -hmm. I see leaders. I see business people. I talk about everything. The medicine is pretty rote, but the idea is to get them somewhere other than where they are, and usually... If they're 65, 70 years old, they've, they've probably waited too long to, <laughs> with what they've already done. And so uh, I, I wrote the book because one day, uh, really I got, I got really angry. I mean, uh, not just a little I mean, it's that point at which you say that is enough. I had a man, his name was uh, Hyman, and he was uh, approximately I think it was 64 years old. this was a couple years ago, and I uh, had been taking care of him for a, a number of years. Great guy, New Yorker. Uh, he had these bright blue eyes, kind of crooked teeth. Always talked about his in that deep. He had a really deep uh, New York accent. He mm-hmm. laughed, had the greatest jokes. Some you know, some you listen to and say, "Wow, okay." Um, and his wife, they've been married over fifty years. He came into the office, and I walked into the room, and he sat up on that table. He started talking about the grandkids that he just visited in New York only this time you know I'd heard all the stories I mean I hear the stories and they're fun which makes medicine fun but I had to I said and honestly this is unfortunately for my patients. so I talked to him I said Hyman you need to shut up a minute <laughs> <laughs> He says what you know in New York uh, what, what, what what do you mean I said listen we got a problem And at that point I said to him I said Hyman and and I hope your listeners will listen to the, exactly I said this I said um, I've got a problem I said there's a tumor and there 's not just one, there's a bunch of them and you know what i 'm not going to be able to help you this time. I can 't give you six months and uh, He looked great, he looked healthy, but he had uh, he had a very significant problem, and he looked at his wife and he said to her he, says, he said he says i "I think this is the worst news i've ever had." Huh. Well, let me tell you, he looked at me and I looked at him and I realized that he wasn't going to ask any questions. He knew what he'd done wrong in his life.
2: Uh-huh.
4: And and I walked out and I realized that after practicing 20-some years, and a lot of docs out there listening there will know exactly what I'm saying, we had become ineffective.
2: Mm.
4: I'm not an effective physician because I'm not preventing anything. right? And so I said, <laughs> and I walked on my office, I was, I just... At that point, said, "I'm going to write a book. I'm going to try to get people to understand that what they're doing doesn't need to be done right now, that the habits they have need to change, even if it's one at a time." So I wrote the book, "5 A.M. and R Behind," because everybody out there wakes up behind. Almost every listener knows exactly what I'm talking about. They wait till Saturday or Sunday, and some don't even get that to have a little time to breathe. Like, your, like you said, really, the the half hour you had when you were in another country or another city? Right. Come on. Why don't we have more of those times? And uh, I wrote the book, and uh, I made a, uh, a gradual sequence of the steps in the book so that people would lead down to a focus and try to get them to make that one little improvement in their life.
3: You know, it's funny the way that you know you, you talk about it. Um, you know you say one one little improvement in their life, but that little improvement could be a life saving step. Yeah. Um, how do you get people to see it as something that's really vital other than you're telling them that it is do they do they kind of suggest things to you? Um, how do you kind of get that insight
4: well uh, <laughs> well, I've been doing this a long time, so as you know. Uh, especially especially in the world of medicine, you just develop an, intu- an intuitive yeah, ability. Second it's, sense. Just, it's just there. But uh, what, what we know is this. Most people don't listen. Most people don't do what we ask. Most people walk out of the physician's office or walk out of their business or walk out and, and they don't do anything different. They're just trying to get what they needed to do, be done last week. And so nothing new happens in, in these folks and in people like uh, in, my, in my business coaching programs and those other programs. I very specifically lead them down a path, and you know what? It, most of the time, I have to tell them what to do. Uh-huh. Learn enough to see what their world's like and what their life's like and what their interests are and maybe some color of passion of what they wished they would have done. And then get them to head that way, but in most cases, they all think too big. They all think that they have to go some, do something big. They have to start a big company. They have to go somewhere and do something that's so huge. And you and I both know most people aren't going to do it.
2: Right. right. Dream
4: big. Uh, go big. Make a lot of money. Come on.
2: So so, getting realistic and and having them just start the process just doing one one thing different how How does that tie into uh you know, I think it's a play on words is your Babbitt. Well, I, I wrote the book,
4: and I and I said, okay. And it's a small book. It's a simple book. It's it originally was written for my patients, but all I, you know, business people, everyone seems to understand exactly why I wrote it. and now it's just kind of flashed off. They just they just published it in Korea. Oh,
2: nice. So
4: no telling what's going to happen with the with the Koreans. Uh, <laughs> so yeah. the 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 question is, um, what. What about this word I created? Right. It's called a babbit. B a h b i t. Here's what it means. It means a big or bad habit. Mm-hmm. Very nice play on words, sure, but it's memorable. Right. There's not a person out there right now who's hearing this that isn't thinking of a habit that they want to change, mm-hmm. because a new word creates intention, and the neuroscience of change and it says that we welcome those things, mm-hmm. those ideas that may make us be make us better or help us, mm-hmm. and it gets kind of gets through the mush. So introducing a new word was part of the idea of getting them to see something and attach it to a new emotion a new action. Uh, So a Babbitt is the number one thing you need to change by tomorrow that will have the greatest immediate impact on the story you're going to tell your grandkids when you're 80 years old. Hmm. And so I take them both ways. You're looking back and you're looking at now. What can you do that's so important when you wake up tomorrow morning? Walk a bridge? Go do it. Take a five minute walk, go do it. Take a day off? I don't know. It's it's up to them most of the time, and then you'd be told exactly what to do. And then if they do that, they come back and say, Wow, what next? I say, Well you gotta figure some of them out.
2: Right. Well that's where the where the coaching comes in because you're helping them first crystallize what it is and then just that encouraging push you know, here's how to go to do it, or could you? what could you do tomorrow, or can you check back in with me? Many times coaches is, coaches are uh, around accountability.
4: Well, it is all accountability because in, in they know I'm going to hold them to it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's that that says they know when they come back uh, I'm going to ask them, and a lot of times I'll have them come back the next week. Uh-huh. I'll say next week I'm going to talk to you and ask you whether or not you specifically did what I asked you to do. You wait too long, they, you just give them too much time, they just walk back into the pile of clutter.
2: Right, exactly. Well, I'm curious, you know, it, <clears throat> for, for you, Don, what's the one thing that, that you do along these lines that you, and maybe it was writing a book or maybe it's kind of doing these things now, that you'd say, okay, here's something that I'm going to tell my grandkids about that I'm doing today?
4: I'm going to, that's a great, great question. I'm going to tell my grandkids uh, that you can do anything at any time in your life, uh, at any time, as long as you take the time to start. Uh Uh, My education has been lifelong. Nobody handed me anything. A lot of folks out there will understand what it's like to start with nothing, to have multiple jobs, to roof, to do all these things, and um, and then be able to go on in life and say, okay, what else is there? And that's a great question for anybody out there. What else? What now? What can I do? What, have, can, I, I never, what can I do now that I've never done? Mm. Can I change? Can I learn? Can I go back to school? And here's a quick story. I had a, I had a lady who came in. She was 36 years old. She worked for an attorney's office, um, um, I think mostly as just a clerk. She hated her job. And I know a lot of people out there think the same way. They want change. So I said to her, I, she says, I think I'm going to be a medical transcriptionist. And I said, that's terrific. There's a Votech school nearby. Why don't you drive over there, and here's what I said right now. Yeah. And tell me, uh, tell me next week, um, you know, what happened. Well, it didn't happen. What she did was this. She drove over to the Votech school. She got out of her car. She started walking in. She turned around, got back in her car, and I said, well, she's given me the Said, What happened next? She says, well, that's not what I want to be. She says, I really want to be a nurse. Mm. So here she is in the attorney's office wanting to be a nurse, and uh, she graduated from nursing school just just this last year. That's amazing. So um, what else? Uh, What I'll tell my grandkids is I never stopped uh, renewing myself. Uh Uh-huh and that uh, my passion for now, at least this part of my life, is to help people uh, make that immediate change because uh, I know that it's like a bullet that takes off, and, and uh, as it gets further away, it spreads. It's mm-hmm. the same as, as, as these simple little changes, and I have a magnificent number of stories that show that if you just do that, find you a little babbit, make that change that next morning, uh, everything changes.
2: Well, that's huge. And I, I, and I know we have to take a uh, short break here. And so, you know, we're going to be right back with Leadership Development News. Then we're moving into our last segment, Don, and then we definitely want to hear some more of these stories. So this is Leadership Development News, and we'll be right back. The Bottom Line in
0: Business. Voice America Business.
6: Dr. Greenberg, co-author of What Happy Companies Know and What Happy Women Know, is the leading global expert on coaching combined with the new science of happiness and originator of the happiness equals profits business formula. Kathy's company, H2C, Happy Companies, Healthy People, provides practical training for individuals and entire companies to maximize their potential in as little as one day. Kathy herself is available for one-to-one executive coaching, group training, and as an electrifying conference speaker, catch her at the Governor's Conference for Women Nationally and as spokesperson for Cancer Treatment Centers of America throughout 2009 for distinctive learning, practical solutions, and proven results. To learn more about adding Kathy and Happy Company's Healthy People to your team, visit Kathy at h2cleadership.com. That's h2cleadership.com. Let's sing that bedtime song. Rock-a-bye baby by
2: Newton's treetop. His first law of motion makes sure you won't
5: stop. The same rules of physics apply to a ball. While
6: gravity is a force that makes things fall. By the sixth grade, many girls lose interest in math and science. But it's never too early to set your daughter's future in motion. For some simple ideas, go to girlsgotech.org.
5: A public service announcement brought to you by Girl Scouts of USA and Ad Council.
0: The Internet's only all-business and financial radio network, Voice America Business.
1: You're listening to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers with your hosts, Doctors Kathy Greenberg and Rilly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions that you're just dying to ask, so call us toll free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show.
3: Welcome back to Leadership Development News. We're talking to Dr. Don Kennedy. He's been sharing his insights on how to break some very bad habits. And I'm very curious, Don. My parents, as I said, are deceased. My mother actually died of lung cancer, and it was due to her infatuation with tobacco. Uh, Growing up in a household where I was exposed to it all the time, I find it interesting that one of three children, um, I do not smoke, nor do I uh, like the habit. Uh, I do have one brother who is a chain smoker, and I'm constantly concerned that he too is going to succumb to a horrible illness. What What are the three biggest mistakes people make when they want to try to quit smoking or just break negative habits?
4: Well, if if uh, I'll try to try to, it's easier to focus on maybe the smoking as an example
3: okay.
4: because that's uh, that's part of an, uh, the new program I have coming out, uh, and and uh, I, the big, the smoking is a big deal because uh, there's a lot of hype. Uh, let's get this clear. This is an addiction on steroids. It's not. Uh, it is the most potent addiction out there. Uh, if somebody tells us, uh, those of us who take care of people, that it's not. I got news for you. It's a, It's just a blind lie. Well,
3: not only that, Don, but I want all of our listeners to pause for a second and think of who they usually see standing yeah. outside their building in industry and in companies where they work. This is not only an addiction. This is an addiction that is granted by those people in corporate America as still a viable option for people. Even though it says smoke 20 feet from the front door, we're still the ones that are exposed to it.
4: Well, that's exactly right. And, and, and the, uh, the issue with, with smokers is that they're, they're, they're being hit with a lot of hype on quitting. You've got 48 million smokers in the U.S., Uh, The numbers have not decreased in the last two years. They're actually on the increase, and 40 million people try to quit at least one day a year. Uh They're struggling. They're trying. You've got 22% of your teenagers smoking, and that number is increasing. So you ask me about how people quit. Well, people don't know how to quit. So and here's what they do, and you say, what are the biggest mistakes? First of all, they think that one thing will help them quit one time, one day. I want to make this so clear. This is, about a, this is about as blunt as I will get. Forget that. There is not one thing out there, one product, one, uh, one thing shown that will get you off of nicotine today. Now, there might be a few that people, and, and certainly you're going to get some testimonials saying that I did this and I... Only 7% of the, of the people in the U.S. are able to quit smoking each year, and that's usually cold turkey. Jeez. So first of all, there is no one thing that will stop you. Uh, the second thing they try to do is do it alone. You can't quit smoking alone because in those dark hours of the evening after you're home and you're tired, your habits, your babbit, what I call your smoking babbit, is going to crawl back in and tell you it's okay to have one. And it's not okay to have one, but I just finished a four-week smoking class, and I'll tell you that over half the ca- class quit. There were two or three stragglers, and they'll tell you that late in the evening seemed to be a problem. Hmm. Uh, and the last is they don't have a program uh, that's a consistent program that catches them every single day. And I'll tell you more about the program I'm developing cause I, or I, I'm, I'm launching because it's that. Uh, most of my patients will tell you guys that I'm over them every day. Never, ever do I try to, never, ever do they come in here that I don't at least tell them, you're going to quit. It's uh, My mother died from emphysema. Uh, I've had multiple patients uh, die uh, from emphysema and, and uh, lung cancer, and I signed one week, which really, really pushed this five death certificates, and when block number 44 on a death certificate says, did tobacco contribute to the death? Mm. It's the only disease listed on a, a, or product listed on a death certificate. So I checked them. And so those are the the biggest problem is generally they don't have uh, something in place that they can do every day, every day, every day, not just now, but for the rest of their lives. To keep them off the nicotine there 's no gimmicks out there that work just just once
2: and you said in your program you probably have this, but your third point they don 't have a program that catches them every day like what what is it or maybe an example what is it that catches them every day well they need to have they need to uh, have a place to go or
4: something to listen to or someone to tell them. Well, something 's got to remind them repetitively each and every day they have to have actions that they take from mental actions to physical actions to continually bombard that that uh, that habit center what I call my Babbitt center uh-huh. <laughs> that's what i I say because in order to change this in this it 's not just a habit it 's a habit in addiction. In order to do this, there's got to be a lot of repetition. There's got to be a lot of, of uh, information overload to remind them not to reach, not to light up. And uh, and I found that this is probably the best way. To, as a matter of fact, it is the best way to do it.
2: So it's kind of that, that support group. And similar, similar to uh, AA and, and alcoholics, and alcoholics, and alcoholics, and alcoholics. They, you know they have someone, as soon as they get an urge, they can call someone, there's someone there. It's that whole relationship piece.
4: Well, if they'll pick up the phone, there has to be other tools available for these guys because they'll be driving in their car, and that's it. They'll take a, they'll have a, they'll take a whiff of nicotine the minute they get in their car, and it's all over.
2: And so, one of the questions we had is, how long does it take someone to get addicted to nicotine?
4: Well, it used to be. uh, Let let me ask you, how long did you? Let's say ten years ago, how long did you think uh, that it that it took to get addicted? You know, I don't know.
2: Months. Um,
3: I I don't know how long does it take to get
2: addicted. <laughs> I don't have any experience with it, but uh... yeah,
3: me either. I mean, I I have food addictions, and that just takes an instant.
2: Like I like something, I want
3: for the rest of my life. You know, and
2: and it's so immediate. So that's why this is a tu- uh, such a a powerful addiction. And yeah. just to clarify this, you said this addiction is uh, harder to quit than cocaine, tobacco, or alcohol. Everything. Yes, Every- it's the hardest. Okay, it's
4: the hardest, and and a lot of addicts will tell you. Uh, I have a lot of patients who've done been that road, and they'll tell you that the last thing I could quit, and I can't quit, is smoking because it's so hard. See. Uh, so how long could, does it take to, to get addicted? Uh, about one puff. No. no, no. Actually, studies have shown that especially in teenagers who are more susceptible. Wow. And they really are. Sixty percent of all teenagers who smoke will become addicted and continue on as, nicot- as, as, uh, as the, re- the tobacco companies call them replacement smokers. Uh, they will, uh, they, uh, the latest studies have shown one puff immediately becomes a rapid increase in the nicotine receptors in the brain. And so these nicotine receptors explode, and uh, usually by the end of two or three cigarettes, they've already started to have a mini craving. Yeah. So it's, it's that potent. Uh, it's one puff starts it all, and then they ease into it with it with the additional, you know, the social stresses, and uh, and all of a sudden, you know, a month later, they're buying a pack to share it with the rest of the guys, and then they're on their way. Wow!
2: For someone who has a son who's fifteen and a half and a daughter who's almost twelve, this is—I will be relating this to them later today.
4: Yeah, only 10%. If you have smokers who are in their 30s and they start in their 30s, only 10% actually become addicted, mm. 60% teenagers. It's a, it's a chemical, neuro, uh, right then, and you're well aware of this, uh, that, that uh, neurological process, uh, uh, you know, just the basic neuroscience of growth, of change right. and during that time, is, is, uh, makes them um, intensely susceptible to addiction. And, and and the same as it is for any of the other kind of rituals they have in school and high school and trying to fit in.
2: So it's it's that critical time period. That's what I keep talking to my kids yeah. about. It's that like everything in, the, in their body and brain is changing. Right. Wow. Well, tell us about your program and that you have coming out, and, it's, and then also you had some interesting stats during the break about California, so maybe share that with us.
4: Well, I, uh, I am developing a program, and this is important. It's ca- the uh, and the folks out there can uh, find out more about it uh, by the time uh, this airs. It's called IQuitSmokingFacts.com. dot com. Okay, facts dot com can lead you into my my program. I call it Your Smoking Babbitt, Seven Steps to Stop Smoking Now, and it's a a program I developed. I've taught, and now I've actually put uh, into a a an action guide uh, with uh, even DVDs of me teaching four-week programs, CDs, and I'll have to. La- I, you'll laugh at this, the, and the reason I I said this was because I needed to yell at people about smoking. I found that's pretty effective. When I say <laughs> yell, it's just stern, fatherly. Right, right. Under this program, I even have one of the CDs I call my emergency CD, with fifteen discussions. And it's a two-minute hit of me. I caught each area, like family, uh, money, uh, uh, wrinkles, whatever. And if they feel they need a cigarette, and they're right at that point, they plug that seed in, and I get to yell at them about all. Yeah. If you're about to touch a cigarette, you need to listen to what I say and don't put it in your mouth yet. <laughs> so, so uh, it's a it's a. Pretty intense program supported internet, video, the everything. And, and I've done this uh, now um, for a couple years, and it, it, it has been my most successful program. 70% of my patients are off of uh, cigarettes. You ask about California. Right. Interesting that uh, according to the internet, California has the highest number of individuals who click uh, the quit smoking websites trying to find a way to stop smoking.
3: Well, guys, I am. Um I would love to hear more. I know our audience would love to hear more. I hope that we have uh, provided them with some contact information for, for you, Don. But I think we're going to have to say goodbye and pick this up, um, perhaps with uh, some of our listeners who want to contact you.
2: And so let me just repeat that. I quit smoking facts, F-A-C-T-S dot com, right?
3: Right. That'll be the new program.
2: Okay. And then maybe we'll have you come back, you know, uh, sometime later in the year once, once that's up and going.
4: Right, maybe around the Great American Smokeout in November would be a great time.
2: Okay, that's good. It <laughs> hey, we'll put you on our agenda. Well, Don, thank you very much for for your passion, for your vision, for your time today, and and all the good news that you've uh, passed on to our our audience.
4: Well, thank you for allowing me to uh, get my message out.
2: This is Leadership Development News, and until next week, we'll sign off. Thank you very much for listening. You've been
1: listening to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers, with your hosts, Doctors Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We sincerely hope that you're leaving us today with some great ideas and inspiration from today's top leaders. Join us again next Monday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on the Voice America Business Channel.